0: You will rise if you have trusted in Christ because we have been united in Christ. That's what we've been going over these past several weeks as we've continued studying and learning the book of Ephesians. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter three. As we continue, we've been united in Christ. We've gone from dead in sin to alive to God. We've been alone and alienated to approved and accepted. And this is all because of God. It's not because of our works. It's a gift of God so that none of us can boast in who we are or what we've done before God. It is a gift that we receive and that changes everything about us. And today we're going to learn the big picture of God. Today, we're going to learn what God is all about, what we're called to do, and where in the world do we fit in our lives. So if you're seeking God today, you've come to the right place at the right time. I believe you'll find him in the scriptures. I believe that you'll not just find him, however, but you'll see the big picture of what he's all about and the big picture of where your life fits. Don't you want to know in a world of over 7 billion people that a God personally calls you? calls you into a relationship with him that this God can fit you into his plan. Matter of fact, it wasn't a, a little fairy tale plan. It was an awesome story of a wonderful king who before the foundation of this world called, uh, set up a plan to redeem and restore people from every nation, every tongue, and every tribe. The answer is the gospel. It's the gospel of God through Jesus Christ, this good news that calls us into not just a message, but a mission and a movement in the world today, a movement that leads to life. Now, Paul was personally called by God to be a part of this mission and movement. At the time of the writing of Ephesians, he was in prison. He was offline. He was off to the side. And yet in that dark moment in his life, he wrote, a letter to the church in Ephesus that turned the world upside down, that called them into the greater picture of the gospel. And he's going to call us into that same message, mission, and movement today. So let's start and see how he describes the gospel in chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 13. We'll start with just a few and then I'll pause. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, it says this For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you heard of the stewardship of God's grace and was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in, in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The mystery is, catch this, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is the message. It's the message that he's going to call into. And the message is the gospel, the gospel of God, the good news of God. That came to a people very separated, Jew and Gentile, from religious, societal, and even economic backgrounds. And kept them apart, but the gospel has now joined. Not just for a select few, but for everyone. And Paul's going to tell them that through the gospel, you are fellow heirs, you're members of the same body, and you're partakers in the promise in, of the promise in Christ Jesus. Now he does this using, uh, Greek. And in Greek, you can kind of see this a little bit better than English. But it's the word S, or it's the word S-Y-N added onto the word. And we kind of get our English word sync. We're synced to God. And, uh, so those of us with smartphones as opposed to stupid phones, we plug them into our computer and they sync up. So that what's on our phone, hopefully, will be on our computer. And what's on our computer, hopefully, will be on our phone. And and so they say the same things. Here Paul is saying, you've been synced to God. And you've been synced to each other in his promises through the gospel. He says that you have been Sinclair Nomad. In other words, you've been a receiver of the same inheritance. This inheritance in Christ. You've been sisomed. In other words, you're together in the same body. Greek uh, the Greek word for body is soma. So it's it's we're we're joined together, which Christ is the head. We're joined together in the same body. And then we're also semektoka, which means that we share together. We've been brought to the table of God's blessing, and we're eating it together. We're sharing this all together. It's far more than any one of us can consume. It's far more than any one of us can experience. That's why it's for all of us. The gospel knows no limits. I understand that in that time, there was a distinction between Jew and Gentile. And it permeated everything in life. Everything you did socially was with either Jews or Gentiles. We don't have any of that now. We don't have any prejudice right now. We don't have any racism right now. We don't have any self-righteousness right now. We don't have any distinctions no political parties uh, that warring against each other because why? Everyone loves each other now, right? Hello. No, the gospel still has been battling the distinctions of humanity. And the divisions and the different groups that hold themselves up as the best or better than others. The gospel comes in and says, No. No, it's, this is the mystery of God that's revealed. We're all through Christ, through faith in Christ. We're fellow heirs. We're members of the same body. And it's this mystery revealed that God's grace is available. It's available to us in Christ Jesus. And so we, when we realize this, we believe it. When we catch that mystery, which Paul had talked about three times in this reading so far, it's a mystery in other words, the plan of God was kind of under a veil. And all the Old Testament spoke to it and whispered to it. And so in the Old Testament, as we're reading the Bible now, we look forward to this time. We're always looking forward to it. And after we've read the New Testament, we all look back to that time when God in Christ paid the price for our sin on the cross. The gospel is good news. Everyone exhale. Ah. <sighs> The gospel is good news. It's not your burden. You don't have to live a perfect life. And by the way, just in case your wife or husband hasn't told you already, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We all need the perfection of Jesus. Only Jesus was. When he came and walked on this earth, he lived a life you and I could not live. We can't do it. We're used to comparing ourselves with each other. And that's um, that's a game. That's where you go, I'm not as bad as that person or I'm better than that person. And you can do that. It's a really easy thing to compare and contrast your life. But we're all given the measure of Jesus with the gospel. And for him, we all fall short. And because we all fall short, we, all, we need his salvation. Only Jesus lived the life we could not for us. Only Jesus died the death to pay the price that we could not pay, even in our deaths, we could not pay and settle the wrath of God like Jesus did on the cross. So it was on the cross that he died and it was from the grave that he rose from the dead and has conquered death and hell for us. So that when we're united to him, we have, we share in what he's provided for us. We share in God's perfection. We share in his forgiveness. We share in his resurrection. It's revealed. No longer needs to. It's no longer a puzzle. Doesn't need to be filled. uh, You know, filled out. Find the blanks on the page. No, it's been revealed. It's been given to us in the gospel. So, believe the gospel and live the gospel. That's the realization of the gospel in our lives. That we would live it, and we would we would believe in it, and we would live it. We're united to Christ. We're united to each other because of the gospel. This is really good news. And it's not just good news personally. It's good news to everyone. So look at how Paul continues to develop this in verse 7. He says this. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints... This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Let's just stop there. Paul's not only going to talk to us about the message, he's going to talk about the mission. It's the gospel to everyone. Not just a select few Not just people who look like us or talk like us or act excuse me, act like us. It's for everyone. And he he was said he says here, I was made a minister of the gospel. Paul says it this way, he says, even though I am the very least of all the saints, he uses in the Greek a superlative phrase, which basically says, I am littler than the littlest. I know if you're an English teacher, you just uh threw the flag. But that's what he said. And as I look at this, I think about his name. Do you know what the name Polos means? It means little. Sorry if your name is Paul this morning, okay? It means little. You always think, oh, what a great name, Paul. Little. And tradition says, Apostle Paul was a short guy. And so he's saying even in stature, even in name, I'm I'm little. But then you look at his morality. The, The brother... The brother went and killed Christians in the first century. He tried to eradicate the gospel on earth, thinking in his uh, religious zealousness that he was accomplishing something great for God. And now this side of the gospel, after the road to Damascus experience where he the gospel, the, the mystery of God was re, revealed to him. All looks back and goes, look at me. I used to kill you guys. I used to try to kill this faith, this doctrine. But now God is using me, the littlest of the little, to preach the gospel and the power of God. That's why Paul would say, I will boast all the more about my weakness, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's right. He'll boast all about because he has a strong, big, wonderful, awesome God. And so he minimized his position to maximize the person of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the second phrase. He says that he was made a minister of the gospel to preach the unsearchable riches in Christ. Here this picture is that word unsearchable means never to be fully tracked out. Means almost an infinite way to the unsearchable, the infinite riches of God of Christ. Now think about that. Have you ever thought about an untrackable place, a place that was so overwhelming that you couldn't fully see the whole thing? Several years ago, I went to the Grand Canyon. Here's a picture of me there. And yes, I was too close to that edge. Matter of fact, in my adulthood life, I was there and I actually, my heart rate went up and my world started to spin as I looked at the immense... Depth and strata of the world around the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you've ever been there We stayed there as a family for just about two hours But we we just looked and as we saw out there and we looked far into the distance. We saw this little Line of ants and I asked someone what is that out there? And said, That's a mule team. They're gonna go pack Go backpacking with these mule mule teams down into the Grand Canyon They'll go all the way down to the river It'll take them 10 days there and back to to fully take a look at this. I'd go, wow. And then I looked further down and that was, you know, 21st century kind of stuff because there's a helicopter hovering over the river on the bottom and I'm thinking the experience they must be seeing right now as they look up, as I look down. You know, I've talked to people who have camped uh, and, and hiked around the Grand Canyon. They did it for weeks at a time and never fully see all the Grand Canyon. They see just places of the Grand Canyon. So, so my question is, if you can't see all of it, why do you go? Why do we go? You go to the Grand Canyon to see something greater than yourself. As a follower of Jesus, I go to see even the fingerprints of, of my creator. That if one little place in one little speck, in one incredible universe, this is so unsearchable. Isn't this a picture of who God is? Isn't this a picture of he being unsearchable? He's, so many people go, I don't understand this about God, so I'm not going to believe him until I do. Okay, come on. Three pounds of brain matter trying to think about an infinite God? Who are we? If I understood everything about God, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I wouldn't worship him. I would be him. So the mystery of the big important gospel is what he's revealed to us. It's a picture of his unsearchable grace. It shows us the larger picture of who God is. And we're joined. We're joined to search out the unsearchable God. And so when we do, we find that he's all knowing and we're invited into a relationship that for eternity we will learn forever from him. We find that he's all powerful and we're called into a relationship that we will see and experience his work in and around us forever. We will find when we search him that he's everywhere. There's no place he's not. And we will realize that for eternity, he will always be with. Us you see we're going to be with him this unsearchable God never to be bored never to yawn never to be distracted Try to escape when he's speaking a little bit too long (laughs) Sorry or sneak away We will instead explore with him and adventure with him a new creation with unlimited energy To experience and respond some might even call it worship To his greatness. But we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for eternity. We can experience this unsearchable God right now. How? Join the mission. Advance the gospel through your life. Why? Because he is, this is the picture. This is the picture of his unsearchable riches. Never to be bored, never to be distracted. When we advance, the gospel, through our lives. And then it says that not only was he called to preach the unsearchable riches in Christ, but to bring to light for everyone, for everyone, what is the plan of God? Look at that. (coughs) Excuse me. You're invited to hear and respond to the gospel. No one is excluded. What's been revealed is to be released to others. The reality of the gospel is by moving the gospel from your life to another, grace is released. Grace is released and the gospel is for everyone. (coughs) Excuse me. Not just a few, but for everyone. Therefore, give the gospel away. Give it away. Not only live it, but give it through your lives. How are you announcing How are you announcing the gospel through your life? This is Paul's role as a minister. Do you know that you are also to administer the gospel in your life and around you and the people in your lives? Every one of us are called into this. It's not just something for a guy thousands of years ago. It's something for all of us. We're all called into it. And so as you announce it, do you realize what the potential is when you announce it? In 1876, a man named Alexander Graham Bell, he invented this little contraption. And his goal was to transmit electronically his voice from one room to the next without him moving and raising his voice. And he had an assistant named Dr. Tom Watson, Thomas Watson, not the golfer, (laughs) the assistant. In 1876, and as he was experimenting with this, he dropped something. And he said, press the button. And he spoke close to this. And he said, Mr. Watson, come in here. I need to see you. And forever from that moment on, the transmission of our voices has never been the same. Because what eventually moved from this was the telephone, the electronically transferring of a voice from one place to the next. Now, when Alexander Graham Bell invented this contraption in 1876... He had no idea that in 2012, millions of us on the first weekend of it being launched would clamor and wait and pray for the next iPhone 5 and that there would be holdups and that there would be crying and that there would be pouting from adults who ought to be more mature, that they don't have their iPhone 5 what we have today is a result of someone's invention or previous generation. Do you realize that when you share the gospel today, you have no idea what God will do in future generations with that? Do you realize when you simply, even in an archaic way, in a way that's not confident, just share what Jesus has done for you if you believe it? You have no idea what God does. As Paul says, with the littlest of the little. You see, we're called to give the gospel away. Grace, once restrained, is released. And that's our mission, to release the gospel. Because the gospel is best when it runs free. Free of prejudice, free of judgment, free of rejection, free even of preference. So that it's shared with everyone. That's why our elders are praying For 18,000 people in Shawnee County to come to Christ. Will it only be through Fellowship Bible Church? No. Other churches, but other Christians. We're praying for Christians to share their faith. It's 10% of Shawnee County. We believe that everyone needs to hear the gospel. Everyone. No one is outside of it. No one is outside of the potential of God's love. Will everyone believe it when we share it with them? Absolutely not. Not yet. Some won't. Some will. But we look at this and we look at it as a privilege to advance the gospel through our lives. Because we believe that the power of God works. And I'll just be honest and open with you. The Christians I really see God using. The Christians who are far beyond being in a comfortable church where everything goes their way. The Christians who who are seeing the power of God work in them. The Christians who know the unsearchable riches of, in Christ are the ones who are sharing their faith. Something happens to me when I share my faith with someone who has no understanding of who Jesus is, who are trying to get in because of their good works, who are trying to impress God, who are trying to think, if I just do good enough, if I just come to church God will smile on me and then for me to share that that's not the gospel, not in a judgmental way, but everything you need has already been taken care of for you in Jesus Christ. It's not works. It's a gift of God. In the same way that we just exhaled a few minutes ago, I see this over them when they really realize the the mystery of the gospel, they go, yes. It's not my works. It's the work of Jesus. So Paul calls us not only into a message, not only into a mission, but also into a movement. Let's look at that in verse 10. In verse 10, he says this, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. See, the gospel is to everyone and it's everyone to be made known. The the three key words that just summarize this whole passage is are. The gospel to everyone made known. And Paul says, the gospel to everyone made known is something that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is to be proclaimed. And let's look at that one. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Let's talk about that first. When we talk about the manifold uh, wisdom of God, we're talking about the multicolored, kind of like a kaleidoscope, profound wisdom of god and it's been given to the church that is god's plan a the church if you believe in jesus you're part of the church now fellowship bible church is as as a local body of believers is part of a larger movement not just for us it's a movement of god throughout all people who call on the name of jesus but we're part of this movement And and God's plan is the church. That's his plan A. Plan B? Some of you are saying it. Yeah, there's no plan B. Now, could God use other things? Yes, he could. Could he do it better in other areas? I kind of think he could. Because I'm involved with the church. Has he? On rare occasions he has worked around the church. But his plan A is the church. So if we go passive... And we aren't. We don't move the gospel out through our lives. The gospel will not go. We have to be people open and available to the power of God moving us. And then it says, might be made known. Look at that wordage there. To the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, what does this mean? This is a really, you know, question marks just pop up in my head. What is Paul talking about? What's happening? Well, in his in his commentary on the book of Ephesians, John Stott said this. He said, history is the theater, the world is the stage, and church members in every land are the actors. God himself has written the play and he directs and produces it. Act by act, scene by scene, the story continues to unfold. But who's the audience, he says. Angels are the audience. Angels are like spectators of salvation and it kind of brings to light in this passage and another one in first Peter chapter one, verse 12, where even angels long to look into this mystery revealed through Christ, the advancement of the gospel. It's like Jesus says in Luke chapter 15, that in heaven, there's more joy when one sinner repents and comes to Christ. Isn't that, that a picture? Heaven is waiting for this. Heaven sits on the edge of its seat. The angels looking and saying, yes, yes, when the gospel is preached and proclaimed. Yes, give glory when someone trusts in Christ. All heaven is whooping it up like we are at a K-State game when they score a touchdown or at a KU game when they throw that ball through the hoop. Or like I am when the Packers get robbed of a Monday night football game. (laughs) And I go, no, it's not supposed to end like this. See, we get whooped up over teams and over touchdowns. It's just not what heaven gets whooped up all about. And so the search, as we search for God and as we proclaim the gospel, is that it moves us to a different arena, doesn't it? Of what's going to be most important to us. It's the eternal purpose realized in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul talks about. That's why the question is um, the question is, is, what did you do with the gospel? You can say, well, I, uh, I was a really good person. I lived in Topeka, Kansas. It's equal distance from all coasts and it's a nice place to live. And God's going to say, what did you do with the gospel? Well, God, I was asking you to move me out of Topeka and into Nebraska. I like that area better. God says, what did you do with the gospel? You say, well, God, I, I got married to a really nice person. And they're really, what did you do with the gospel? I had children, took them to church you know, two out of four weeks out of the month, I, that's it's better than most people. What did you do with the gospel? Well, I provided college for my kids. And boy, there's a, we sacrificed to get them through college. What did you do with the gospel? Well, I paid for her wedding. It was a lot. We went into debt for it. But she, we, she was happy on that married, wedding day. What did you do with the gospel? See, that's what we're called to. We're stewards of the gospel of God. We're steward of the goodness of God. We're steward of the gifts of God. What are we doing with it? Are we joining a movement? Or are we keeping it to ourselves? See, the purpose realized through the gospel is it's not going to all be joyful. It also, Paul says, will involve suffering and sacrifice. He says, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you. It's for your glory. He's telling us that we're not all going to be accepted as we join this movement to advance the gospel in our lives. Because we follow someone who is not accepted by this world. It was rejected and despised by this world. And I know this goes against your grain. It goes against mine. I love to be accepted. I really do. I love to be liked. When someone doesn't like me, it takes me off. And I've compromised throughout my life. on getting people to like me over standing for truth. over standing even for what's right. But I've come a long way since Jesus has been in my life. I've come a long way since the gospel has become my utmost priority through my life. And so will you. If the gospel becomes the single greatest mission and movement of your life. It will involve suffering. It will involve sacrifice. Probably not in the United States, but elsewhere in the world, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ today are suffering to advance the gospel. Because it's the gospel to everyone made known. No one is outside of the gospel. It's for everyone. Heaven sits at the edge of their seats. Right now, evil lurks in this world. It calls out and it jeers. Creation groans, but God is on his throne. And we're to advance his kingdom, church. Someday the king will return and he will restore completely. But now the battle ensues. We have good news. You have good news to give. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So join the movement. Join the movement. This movement of the gospel to everyone make known is your purpose. It's a purpose realized when you're part of the movement of God. You realize this is what I'm here for. Paul said, this is what I'm here for. It's according to the eternal purpose that, that's realized in the gospel itself, in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's realized every time I join, I join the movement, advancing the kingdom of God. So we did a quick experiment in this yesterday through ShareFest. We joined with just over 16 other churches in our community. And we went to the 501 schools and a few other places. And we did landscape overhauls. I happened to go with my family and my small group to Quincy Elementary School. And um, we joined just about 100 other people there. And they did painting. They put stripes on the ground of the parking lot and we cut down bushes some of those bushes this is really cool we were trimming some of the rose bushes that we had planted four years earlier back at that just awesome to see what god was doing through that area but you know what if i would have said to 1200 people hey everyone just show up at fellowship at 12 at at eight o'clock in the morning and for the next three hours just go out there and love topeka go and love it go at it whatever you want to do love Okay, we'd have gone. Okay, uh, what do I do here? Some of you may have gone and bought Water and passed it out at the street corner and given it to people or some of you may have held signs smile God loves you, you know at a street corner and had people a lot of people drive by and people may actually smile at you However We wouldn't get a lot done So we had to join a movement greater than ourselves even our ideas And some of us who are really creative needed to submit to a group so that God could do something greater. And that's what happened. And therefore, we got a whole bunch of stuff done. I mean, I look at that. What if Cheryl and Jack and I showed up at Quincy Elementary like we did and no one was there? The task would be overwhelming, wouldn't it? And I would you know, trim a few bushes and go home. But since I saw everyone else doing it, since I got to be a part of something greater than me, I got to work in one little area that I could complete when I saw everyone else doing their work. And we saw the whole place transform in under four hours. Folks, that's the movement we're called to when we all join in and advance the gospel through sharing our faith, through lovingly sharing our faith from one life to another. And we all do that God moves us and the gospel moves. It's a movement. We move out there. Let me put up a chart that kind of summarizes all this. We've looked at these three words message mission and movement and we've looked at the message is the gospel. The mission is to everyone and the movement is to make to me to be made known. We looked at uh, the message being the revealing of a mystery of God, the mission to be releasing God's grace, his unsearchable grace, and the movement to be to realize our purpose in doing this. The message is to live the gospel, the mission is to give the gospel, and and the movement is to join it, to join what God is doing on this. Now I've been a part of church ever since I was born. One of my earliest memories in life, and I don't even know how old it was, uh, was of my church nursery. I can remember that. I remember what it was all about. Not everything they taught me there, but I I remember the the place. It's imprinted on my mind. And I've been a part of large churches and I've been a part of small churches. I've been a part of healthy churches and I've been a part of unhealthy churches. And here's what the distinguish... Distinguishing factor of church is What about the gospel? What about the gospel? There's some churches that just draw the line right after the message. We will stand on the gospel. It is god to us God makes us holy through christ and it's true It's right. No doctrinal problem. No doctrinal disagreement. They just don't move it beyond themselves the gospel stagnates for them And they, much like the movie, they go, my precious, with the gospel. But they give it to no one. And to these churches, God says, what did you do with the gospel? Well, we had services on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. What did you do with the gospel? We kept things comfortable for people. It was hot outside. It was nice and cool inside. What did you do with the gospel? Well, we didn't tick too many people off with the music. What did you do with the gospel? We paid the pastor's salary and kept the lights on. What did you do with the gospel? Folks, this is not a country club. It's not about just keeping members happy. This is about the advancement of the gospel. There's other churches that move it one step over. They take it and move it between the mission and the movement like this, like this. <laughs> and they move that line over to the movement right before the movement. And uh, the, the whole picture there is I, I look at that is they're, they're focused on a brand. It's our way of doing things. So therefore, they look at their picture and it would be like us saying Fellowship Bible Church is the only church in in Topeka, where you can hear about Jesus, and you need to hear about Him our way and do things our way, are really not the, that type of church. It's like some—I've even heard some of this. We're the best church in Topeka. Stop that! Stop that! It's not our brand. It's not that we're the best. Don't ever vote for us on the Topeka Capital Journal "Best of the Best" kind of thing. No, because it's not about us. We're a church. It's part of a greater movement. What did you do with the gospel, church? Well, we took our people and went to places we could understand. Did you partner with anyone outside your church? We don't trust them. What did you do with the gospel? See, denominations can get wrapped up in their brand, but they can forget the larger call of God. And we celebrate all all denominations who join in. And every church in Topeka, and we link up and we partner with churches who advance the gospel. Because, folks, that line doesn't need to be anywhere. We need to take that line out so that the gospel is to everyone made known. Folks, that's the summary. The gospel to everyone made known. Would you say that with me? The gospel to everyone made known. That's why I'm here. Because ten and a half years ago when I met with some men and on our elder team... We're part of fellowship bible church a different church at that time about a hundred people The vision of these men were this We see our role in topeka Is to spread the gospel in across this city It's not going to be about us making a holy huddle that keeps people happy and comfortable in their seats every weekend It's not going to be just about fellowship bible church either It's going to be about the church of Jesus Christ expanding and moving and growing in Shawnee County and us joining with other churches in doing this. You know, I look at that and we've been far from perfect in how we've implemented, but I've never had greater joy to see that it's far beyond just this church. It's into the greater movement of God to which we find our purpose. The gospel To everyone made known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for calling us and revealing your mystery that was held under a veil, but fully released after Christ. The gospel to everyone made known. May we be people who join the movement, a far from perfect movement, but a movement nonetheless, of taking the gospel to everyone. For it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.